As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, y'all, we wanted to share with you some of the fun we've been having over on Patreon. For this best of November, we're bringing you short clips from some of the bonus content from last month to give you an idea of everything you get when you sign up to support the show. Before introducing the clips, we've got to tell you, though, the date and time of one of our favorite holiday traditions, our Hallmark After Dark movie roasting party. Tuesday, December 13th at 8 p.m. Central. Tune into Crowdcast, where we'll roast a holiday movie for you. This event is open to Patreon subscribers at the $5 and above tier, so don't miss it. Head to Patreon to register. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. It's going to be a hoot. It's, it and was so much fun last year. It always is. Mm-hmm. Well, onto the clips. We're starting off with a clip from True Crime Headlines where we're discussing the sentencing of Florida Lees. If you will remember from episode 116, she's the Brazilian politician who murdered her husband with the help of her adult children. We have an update on her. This one is packed with discussions. We talk about the Waukesha parade attack sentencing. We talk about the fate of the fraudster from Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes. She's the one with the black turtleneck. But we also talk about the Way Down Diet founder, Gwen Shamblin Laura. There's going to be some new shows about her. And we talk about the ethics of True Crime Media in general. So it was a, a very enlightening discussion. Mm-hmm. So definitely check that out. After that, we have a clip from our mini-sode on the murders at the Brown Palace Hotel. So we got to visit this place. We did some on-the-ground research of our own, and we learned about this dramatic love triangle that led to two tragic deaths. And it is, as Christy said, the one of the gentlemen's name is John W. Springer, and it's kind of like Jerry Springer. <laughs> it's, Jerry. A, it's a Springer episode. It's a lot of fun. And uh, the hotel that we got to visit for this was gorgeous. Uh, we talk all about that too in our tour guide, Deborah. Love you, Deborah. Mm-hmm. That's followed by a clip from our live stream in a moment that had us cracking up laughing. And finally, you'll hear a portion of our segment, Off My Chest, where we read and react to Reddit stories of confession. This edition included some wild ones, but none of them were more jopping than the tale of a husband's ultimate screw up. And screw up is putting it mildly. Yeah, this and this one honestly it cracked me up because on the air we were like, I would like that could never happen. And then I went and talked to Paris, and he was like, I don't, oh no, what did that guy do? And I was like, he. So it was, and then the comments were popping off on Patreon. So you will enjoy that. And you can head to our Patreon now to watch video versions of the, the Q&A we did, as well as the monthly live stream segment. We have started filming it together, so we have so much fun. We get so tickled. And uh, we'll post some video clips on social media as well. we've done. A point comes where you say something, and for a good five minutes, I just cry, <laughs> silent laugh to where I can't contribute really to anything else that's happening. We get going, man. Mm-hmm. We can't help it. 
Well, join now to check out the full archive of all of our prior streams and catch us live on the upcoming streams where you can participate with us real time via the chat. Our next live Q&A will be Wednesday, December 28th at 8 p.m. Central Time. And the live stream will be Thursday, December 29th at 8 p.m. Central. You can check Patreon for sign-up links and more. And when you sign up at the Getting Into It tier, you can also vote on a topic for our main feed. And boy, howdy, have we given you all some heavy hitters for the month of December. We've got the disappearance of Maura Murray, the Bardstown murders, and the suspicious death of Phoebe Hansjack. These are all ones that have been requested quite a bit. They're definitely going to be a two-parter, and we're leaving it up to the patrons and the getting into it here to see which one we cover this month. So join Patreon today so you can vote, you can watch all that, sign up for the live streams. You also get ad-free regular episodes, hundreds of hours of audio and video bonus content, on-demand archives of all the streams, and so much more. You get to be a part of the fun we have throughout the whole year, and an annual subscription gets you immediate access plus a free month of membership. It's that time of year you're like, I don't know what I want for Christmas. If somebody asks you, tell them, tell them I, want my, I want an annual subscription to Patreon, because then you get a whole entire year of gifts, or if you're like, man, my friend loves sinisterhood i don't know what they sh- i should get them bam annual patreon subscription there you go. done and done they now and then every time they listen to it they'll think of you so you'll always be in their hearts and minds exactly while it's we're the gift that- in their ears <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, to join Patreon and check out all of these perks, head to the link in the episode description or go to sinisterhood.com and click patreon on the top banner to sign up today well this next one is a blast from the past it's from episode 116, Miss Florida Lee. I remember this one. Our Brazilian politician, evangelist, gospel singer, and mother to 55 children. You heard that right, folks. Yeah, some are adopted, some are birthed by her. To remind everybody, she and a handful of her adult children first tried to poison her husband with cyanide about six times. But failed. Yeah, but made him real fucking sick in the process. Yes, he was going to the hospital. When that didn't work, in June of 2019, they were like, okay, new plan. Anderson Ducarmo, which was her husband, was shot multiple times outside the family home. Kind of tried to make it look like maybe it was like a robbery or somebody in their neighborhood wanted him. Since we have covered her story... Several of her children have been convicted and sentenced. But remember, she was claiming parliamentary immunity mm-hmm. so that she wouldn't go down for it. And but also, her kids, she did not pull the trigger, but she convinced her adult children to do it. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't she sexually involved with one of them? Yeah, there was that uh, romantically involved and with some of wasn't the husband, too, with one of the stepkids, stepdaughters? There yeah, was they some would fucked up stuff. Adopt kids, yeah. and I use air quotes, and then eh, the lines were kind of yeah. loose on what that really meant. Um, and they were but, very abusive to them and yeah. withheld food, um, had poor living conditions. Mm-hmm. It, it was a very shitty situation all the way around. Meanwhile, in the public eye, she's acting like this, this saint, but also... Her and her husband were known for kind of being in the swinger lifestyle and hanging out at strip clubs and stuff, which there's nothing wrong with that. But that was another reason that the night he was shot, they were coming back from a strip club and she tried to say like, oh, somebody followed us from the club that Mm -hmm. is an enemy of him. But there was a significant number of text messages between her and her adult children 
being like, and get searches em. on the phones that were like, how do you poison somebody with cyanide? I mean, very just not even trying to hide it. No, and they're like, someone must have stolen my phone. You're like, no, they did not. Well, in the since we've covered her in, in episode 116, her adult son, Flavio, was sentenced to 33 years in jail. It was determined that he was the one that actually pulled the trigger. Mm. Her adopted son, Lucas Cesar, was sentenced to seven years because he helped to buy the murder weapon. Later, he cooperated with police to kind of roll on his siblings and his mom. So they reduced his sentence. Uh, Basically, he's going to get out sooner than seven years, but uh, only because he cooperated. He definitely was part of the plot. Yeah. And then four other children were sentenced on various charges, but they were it was basically this conspiracy where they all kind of had small parts to help. Lucas actually went and helped by the murder weapon, gave it to Flavio, who then pulled the trigger. Uh, So Florida Lee. Her daughter, Simone, and two of Florida Lee's other children and one grandchild. So it's a whole family affair. Mm-hmm. They finally went to trial this this month, November of 2022, after she per, uh, previously claimed parliamentary immunity. They stripped her of that immunity in June of 2021, which is how they she was allowed to go on trial. Because she was basically trying to argue, because I was uh, elected, I can't be convicted of anything. I can't be charged with anything. And they're like, no, you can't be charged with anything that you do in your capacity. If you murder someone outside of that, we can charge you. Which so, is, in- Even the murder charges aside, having parliamentary immunity is wild. Yeah. That you can just get this, like, get out of jail free card because you're in the government. That doesn't seem like that's how it should be. Well, and how it should work in theory is like, say you voted on, uh, yes, I think we should go to war. And then we went to war and we killed these people. They can't come back and sue you for wrongful death or say, well, you murdered this person because you voted on this war. It's like, well, in the capacity of my job, I was voting for what's best for the citizens. She was like, can't touch me. I got elected. And that's not trying to use a wild ass loophole. Yeah. And when that didn't work and she actually finally went on trial, her defense attorneys tried to argue that she had no idea that her sons were planning this crime. They alleged that her mother was being sexually and physically abused by Anderson, by her husband, and that the sons wanted to save their mom. And so the sons did it totally on their own. Meanwhile, they've already been convicted that it was part of a conspiracy that the mom was in. Also, they tried to poison him for six years. It wasn't like this was out of the blue. Yeah. They've tried to poison him over and over with so much evidence. Yeah. So the judge didn't buy it. He said that Florida Lee, at the end of the day, it was the intellectual author of the crime. He basically was like, she was pulling the strings and she tried to, like you said, make comments to the media, make comments to police. Well, we were at this club. Maybe people followed us home. So she she was not only just obstructing, but it was all part of this vast conspiracy to cover it up. And the court said that she ordered the murder, quote, because the victim kept a strict control of the family finances and administered conflicts rigidly, refusing to give preferential treatment to Florida Lee's closest friends in detriment to other members of the family. So he would try to be like, we have 55 kids. We have to be equitable. And she was like, well, these five, I actually like more so we need to be shitty to these ones and be nice to these and it was kind of a power struggle between the two because simone florida lee's daughter was involved she was sentenced to 31 years four months and 20 days for her part in the poisoning attempts because they had so much evidence like you said it was literal google searches yeah oh yeah how much years yeah how much cyanide (laughs) to kill a, a grown man 
The other children and granddaughter were all acquitted. So their names haven't been publicized in the media too much. But Florida Lee was sentenced to 50 years and 28 days. Okay. Well, she's not a spring chicken. So no, depending on how those appeals and stuff go, that might be it for her. Yeah, she might spend out the rest of her days in prison. A fascinating story. If you haven't listened to episode 116, you can go back and listen to it. It's wild. It's real wild. And it's not super well known because... It didn't happen in the U.S., but if that happened here, it would be everywhere. The, the oh, scandal, yeah. and I mean, it's it's deep and it's layered, and there's so much various types of crime and abuse that went on. I was like, it's a mixture of like, if Sarah Palin was a singer and also was like a Duggar-sized family. Like, I forgot about that. She was also a um, Christian singer. Very, like very well-known one. <laughs> yeah. She used that. To then get elected and then take advantage. She's like, if I'm elected, then I can kill whoever I want. Yeah. So the the jail cell door has also well, good closed. Good for them for um, not letting her political influence sway that. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Then it was like, what's right is right. And that's not what we intended by Mm-mm. parliamentary immunity. If that were the case, they, it's like the purge. If Once you get elected, do right? whatever you want. Then, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. That's how no. you get a genocide or something. Yeah, or just, yeah, she, a mafioso, because mm-hmm. you're like, well, they can't touch me. So, Florida Lease, uh, goodbye and good luck. Our next sentencer, we haven't actually covered on the show, but we've both been following it. Mm-hmm. This is Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> you took I was a taking of- a drink of water and I did it at the wrong time. <laughs> I'm Elizabeth Holmes. <laughs> Well, called by the Denver Post, the sky-riding Don Juan and the Orlando of the gas tanks, Von Fool had an unusual hold over the young Isabel. She would write him letters, confessing her love for him and how she longed to be with him, even as she remained in Denver married to an older man. What do we always say? Say it and forget it. Write it and regret it. But... Did they have phones? When were phones a thing? There was phones. There were phones, weren't there? They, I don't know about It's probably distance. expensive to call from Denver to St. Louis, though. And if you're trying to cheat, you might, you know, write a quick note, throw it in the mail, mm-hmm. throw it in the telegraph or something, so you're, you're not in there on the other line going, you're really running up a phone bill, honey. Yeah. Man, I just realized how stupid it was for me to ask, did they have phones? Because phones have probably been around for like a uh, hundred years at this point. They were invented in the 1800s, but Mm -hmm. popularized. Uh, By 1900, there were 600,000. By 1905, 2.2 million phones. And by 1910, there were 5.8 million phones. But this was before the transcontinental telephone line, which started in 1915. So you're right. Would not have been. They could probably call across town, call call Mm -hmm. 911, call whatever, but not. I don't think they had 911. Call the police. And then, but not maybe make a love call late at night. Love call. Man, that means, like, you can't do, like, phone sex, sexting. You just got to write it in a letter. (laughs) Draw a nasty picture. Wait for weeks to get the response. It's (laughs) a a slow burn. (laughs) I was so horny three weeks ago when I sent that letter. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, now I'm, like, busy. I have stuff to, I don't want to sit down and, like, read this right now. Save it for a rainy day. (laughs) Von Fool was not the only suitor Isabel had her eye on. 
Her husband began working with a man named Frank Henwood in early 1911. Though he was not piloting a balloon like Von Fuhl, Henwood was close in proximity and frequently spent time with the Springers, both in downtown Denver and at the couple's ranch on the outskirts of town. When Springer headed into town on business, Henwood sometimes stayed behind at the ranch with his partner's young wife. A maid would later testify to Henwood sleeping in an adjoining bedroom with the young Mrs. Springer, though only one of the two beds ended up unmade. That was like, your maid turning on you is such a backstab. Dude, like, this is why celebrities, you have to sign, like, NDAs and shit when you go to work for them, because you can't be spilling their tea everywhere. Mm-mm, that maid was ready, which there was some talk in the... Uh, in the reports at the time that maybe Mrs. Springer wasn't super nice to her maid. Oh, uh, well, she saw an opening and was like, I'll get you, bitch. Right. Now, here's my thing. Why is Springer trusting Henwood to stay back at the house and spend the night with his wife while he's not there? Did he they have kind an of- arrangement? <laughs> you know, if it's an open marriage, I'm fine with that. I believe what it was was that Springer was, he was managing like five different businesses. He did banking, ranching. There was, I mean, he was always in and out of town. He would go to New York. Sometimes Isabel would go with them. And sometimes Henwood would also go with them. And That's what's, well, I guess if he's a business partner, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And they would, you know, he would say, okay, I'm going to go to this meeting. Don't leave her alone. Can you stay with her? And Henwood was, He's kind of shady in this whole thing because he would always be like, oh, I'll take care of your wife. Yeah, you will mm-hmm. take care of your wife. Well, so you I think if, Henwood, if Springer's like, oh, I'm going to go to town and do this bank deal. And Henwood's like, oh, I'll stay on the ranch and sell these cattle for you. Or I'll stay and manage this mm-hmm. for you. So he was interestingly volunteering to just go wherever Isabel was at. Meanwhile, Springer's an unknowing cuck. He's getting cucked by his own <laughs> partner his own business partner it's but then later well we'll get to the another question i have later about henwood as her relationship with henwood heated up isabel kept regular correspondence with von fool she increased her letters to him beginning in january of 1911 and continued through may of that year in one letter dated may 20th she asked von vool to come to her according to murder at the brown palace Eager to see her, Von Fuhl hopped on a train and headed that way on May 23rd. Meanwhile, in Denver, Isabel was torn between the two men she loved, Von Fuhl and Henwood, and the one she was married to, John Springer. Well, this kills me because Henwood's like, well, you can't cheat on me with Von Fuhl. And it's like, hey, buddy. (laughs) I'm cheating on my husband with you. Really? That's the one I shouldn't be cheating on. Yeah, the only one who has any right to get mad is John Springer, and he just doesn't know what's going on. He's just running around. But yeah, Henwood starts. I mean, I don't. We don't have any proof of this. I. It wouldn't be a big leap to think Springer's also having some extramarital affairs during his travels and stuff like that. Yeah, and he just don't care. Yeah, and that's. I also wonder if like maybe he kind of knew what was going on between them and just didn't mind because he had a younger hot wife on his arm and he's like hey whatever you know i'm doing they, my thing you do yours when they you're right because when they first got married they said springer would like make sure she was in photos with him mm-hmm. and like they would go and you know if they were going downtown like ride in a, a way that she was really spotted and like she was the mm, society woman like a trophy and, wife 100 percent, yeah yeah he wanted to be the mayor and he wanted, which he he like lost this mayoral race. So then he kind of became like money and politics guy. Mm-hmm. So he was very image based. I think yeah. he probably didn't really care what she was doing. It was just like, but look at my beautiful mm-hmm. wife. Mm-hmm. It's also not a far leap. 
that if someone cheats on their spouse to be with you, you can't be super shocked if they turn around and cheat on you with somebody else. Yeah, that's true. Once Von Fool got to town, things turned messy. Mrs. Springer's two suitors clashed publicly in the hotel lobby, at a nearby department store, and in Von Fool's room. The main issue between them was the custody of the letters Isabel had sent to Von Fool in St. Louis. He threatened to send them to her husband, lest she break up her relationship with Henwood. For his part, Henwood believed he could talk sense into Von Fool and convince him to keep the letters private. That's the problem is you got this buttoned up. Henwood was like a wine salesman. He was like more like thought he could talk his way into anything. And Tony Von Fool was a balloonist who didn't give a fuck and would get like he wasn't like in bar fights, but he was a big, burly, beefy guy. He outweighed Henwood by like 40 pounds and was like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Nobody tells me what to do. There was a lot of testosterone flying around the lobby of the Brown Palace. Here's my question. I I feel like the um, the anger is misdirected. Um, all right. Well, the last one we have. Oh, I think you'll enjoy it. Okay, I hope. I've been going out with a fairly religious girl. After a few months, she broke up with me because every time I got an erection, I kept saying, he has risen. <laughs> Man. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> Honestly, worth it though. Wait, he, she broke up with him? Yeah. I would it wouldn't be that is why I wouldn't have broken up for that. I would have broken up because they were really religious. Well, he was, I would have yeah. thought the joke was funny. <laughs> she broke up with him, I guess, because of his joke. He was willing to date her. Wait, she was really religious? Yes, he said oh. I was dating a fairly religious girl. Okay, I thought he was the religious one. This is even funnier now. So she was, <laughs> she was the religious one, and he was saying yes, risen, yes, risen. That's good. I, th- I, I think it's a good bit. But if I, I think you stick with that bit, if I was uh, offended by it, then I would have broken up with him too. Yeah, you know what? Eventually, down the line, they were going to break up. Now, at <laughs> least, they both have a funny story about it. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, what happened to Trevor? He seemed really nice." And she's like, "What?" Every time he Let got an erection. <laughs> Let me tell you about his erection. Was it weird? No, it was great. It was beautiful. Or was it like it came at inopportune times? No, it was perfect on time. What happened? Did he say bada bing or something? <laughs> Bazinga? No, she would say he would say it he has risen. That's inappropriate. I'm glad you broke up with him. Find you a good man that just says bazinga or bada bing. We'll like we'll take a blamo. I'll take uh giddy up i'll even take a get her done <laughs> and if they have a clown horn that's okay too <laughs> but he has risen that is inappropriate and i think you did the right thing and that god loves you amen god amen. loves you what a night we've had ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Uh, Call back. Letty said, all I'm thinking about is the costume you showed us with the boner. You talking about (laughs) Skeleboner? Well, this next one, like I said, is not, doesn't give it away. It says, I think I've destroyed my marriage. My wife refuses to see me or speak to me. I'm not even allowed to know where she is. Oh, yikes. 
I don't know if this goes here or not, but here goes. I made a friend at the gym. Let's call him David. We got on well, and the friendship started to translate to just uh, to outside of just being gym buddies. We regularly hung out after work or after the gym, and it was really nice having a new friend I could spend time with. Almost three weeks ago, I invited him over to my house to have dinner with me and my wife. My wife and I cooked dinner, and at some point, her sister-in-law called, asking if her three-year-old son left his alligator socks at our house, as he refuses to breathe until he gets them back. He did leave it at our house, so my wife decided to drop it off. While my wife was away, David arrived. All was going well until my wife got back home and saw David. When she walked in, she just suddenly started screaming. And I mean, she was letting out some blood-curdling screams. She was just screaming for David to get out of our house and began waving a knife around. David left, and I tried to ask her what happened, but she honestly couldn't talk as it seemed like she was having a stroke or a heart attack. So I called for an ambulance, and she was admitted to the hospital for having a severe panic attack. She was hospitalized for three days, and she did not speak the entire time to literally anyone. On her release date, she just left the hospital and no one would tell me where she was. I've called everyone we know and no one will speak to me or tell me where she is. Finally, her sister texted me a long text that was full of expletives, but it did explain what I did wrong. David was the man who took her hostage for nine days when she was 12 and stalked her for seven years until he went to prison for another crime. He was never punished for what he did to my wife. I mean, my jaw fell to the ground. I knew about this incident as she had told me about it from the beginning. I just don't know how I didn't recognize him. I don't know how to fix this. She refuses to see me or speak to me, and I don't even know where she is now. Is that it? There's some follow-up questions or some follow-up answers to questions. Would you like those? Yeah, my jaw's on the floor because that is not what I expected. Yeah, when you walk in and that... You think you're safe. I mean, years later, it doesn't have ages, but, you know, 20 years later, probably if you're in your 30s, 20, 25 years later, to answer some repeatedly asked questions, the OP writes, yes, I called the police, but according to them, he has not committed a crime. I invited him into our home, and it's not illegal to give someone a fake name or to befriend me. Yes, I've seen pictures of him. I just forgot what his face looked like. I don't know how I forgot, but I just did. I saw pictures of him when he was in his late 20s, and I saw like three prison pictures of him taken around 2017 to 2018. Yes, he does look different now from all those pictures, but not enough for me to not recognize him. I really don't have a reasonable excuse for not recognizing him. To answer your question, yes, it is clear that David had planned this. Oh, that's what I was thinking. He clearly befriended me to get to my wife. Fuck. He also gave me a different name than his real name. I don't know where my wife is as I am no longer trusted. I'm not allowed to know. Her family and friends have completely frozen me out. People have literally changed their numbers and privated all their social media. I mean, this isn't their first rodeo with this man. My wife was keeping track of him, but he was released earlier from prison, but the records were not updated, so we are both under the impression that he was still in prison. But he was released in early December last year and went straight back to stalking her. And I let him into our lives, into her private space. Of course, I regret my actions. I wish I recognized him earlier on, but I didn't. At the time of the crime, he was 22 and she was 12. She knew him through his stepbrother, a fellow student. 
He had his own place, and it was the party house where all the kids went to. So he was the cool guy who hung around the teens and preteens and also sold them drugs, from alcohol to heavy stuff. Her family did try to get it to go to court, but it was dropped by the prosecutors. He also claimed she was his girlfriend and that she had run away from home. It was known that she had a crush on him at the time, and his lawyers twisted it up to fit his claim of her being his secret girlfriend. She's 12! Yeah. There's, that it, it doesn't, doesn't matter if she wanted to be his girlfriend. That's illegal. No defense. Um, it was a combination of slut-shaming her due to her having a crush on him and having visited his home on her own accord, lack of physical evidence, her inability to speak on the stand as she was too traumatized, her vulnerable home life, her father was going through chemo at the time, and the unwillingness of the prosecutors to go after him. The stalking was taken slightly serious at the time, and he was ordered to stay away from her, but he repeatedly broke the order. The one time he was punished by the judge, he was only given a few days in jail, so he just continued to stalk her for years until he was arrested for another crime. And And he was, he uh, held her hostage for nine days? Is that what it said? Yeah. Nine days. What was the other part that he did? Stalked her for seven years until he went to prison for another crime. So he knows her at 12 years old. He holds her hostage for nine days when she's 12. Mm-hmm. She gets out of that, and then he just stalks her. Not just. I mean, in addition to, he stalks her for the following seven years till he goes to jail. Yep. And then it sounds like he was in jail up until late 2018. Or, yeah, no, December of 2021. And then got to be friends with her husband to get to her again. That's so creepy. That's because they such said, a long time to obsess over someone. It is. And t- the amount of months is a pretty short time between when he was out of jail in December of 2021. And this post was from September of 2022. God, he didn't waste any time. Because he said a few months ago, I, I made a friend at the mm-hmm. gym. So, I mean, he got out of jail and immediately is like, go look on the internet mm-hmm. probably if you checked in at the gym you know that she had married this person it's so the web of social media is so scary because i can have all my stuff private but if you which at this point i had a person stalk me and i'm like i just i can't but with the show you know everything's got to be kind of open whatever mm-hmm. but even if my stuff was private there's so much stuff of your friend posts a picture of you and their stuff happens to be public. Mm-hmm. Now that person's like, oh, they work at this Starbucks. So I'm going to go befriend that barista at that Starbucks and be like, hey, do you ever, you know, have dinner parties? Maybe I could, co-, you know, like mm-hmm. very insidious. I don't know if the husband. If you liked what you heard, consider supporting the show on Patreon by clicking the link in the episode description or heading to SinisterHood.com and clicking Patreon in the top banner. Thanks for listening and keep it creepy. I'm going to kill you. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.